0: good morning good morning and welcome to the original loretta brown show radio to open the heart heal the soul and awaken the consciousness i don't know betty it seems like that should have a theme music right there right you know it kind of does a little bit behind you you're not hearing it per se but it's there okay Hmm. all right yeah so welcome everybody thanks for tuning in uh and to the youtubers thank you so much it's great um to be able to see you haha ha. yeah you can see us i have a great show today i'm looking forward to it and um, i am the owner of a reiki oasis located right here in the greater seattle area for the last 27 years and uh, we're still going strong every sunday morning at 11 a.m i do a sunday meditation with loretta and it's really just a little check-in for you a place to come like i said come to the o- oasis And Renew Yourself. If you cannot be there with me live at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, just sign up. I'll send you a recording of the meditation. You can listen to it anytime you want. Yeah. Um, Benny, how was your fourth? It was very good, relaxing. Uh, We went to uh, a friend's house. We had a little bit of barbecue, you know, kind of the traditional way of doing things. We let everyone else buy the fireworks so we didn't have to spend money on that (laughs) because that's always a good way to save. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty uh, and Well, there was moments of hype, but you know, it is still yeah. amazing on how much uh, boom is going on in the areas, and you're not really supposed to. Yeah, um, yeah, it was kind of <laughs> noisy where I live. Yeah, and <laughs> people, I think, were having a good time. A lot of yeah. people have been were able to get together. Sure, exactly, was... and that's super uh, I- inviting to hear and to see as well. I think everyone's just kind of like, there's a big. Well, maybe three quarters of a sigh of relief, <laughs> you know, like almost there, especially in our yeah. state. But I think everyone's yeah. still uh, there's definitely getting ready to just release. Yeah, a lot of my clients I was talking to, a lot of people are like, oh, I just need a few weeks of the summer, Loretta, mm-hmm. uh, before the next round of something comes. And I, I really believe that. Yeah. Take your time. You know, follow the ebb and flow of things, and perfect. And, uh, yeah, make sure you've got that balance in there. There's nothing more wonderful than laughing with family and friends and people that you care about. And at the end of the day, right? You got it. That's really that's what matters. Yeah. And I think we've that's really been brought to the forefront this year. So, as I say, I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis. I do have a, a class, a monthly class for women called the Temple of the Divine Feminine. We meet once a month on a Saturday. We've been doing it via zoom. It's been working really, really good. And please join us Saturday, July 24th. You can find everything at schedule.reikioasis.com and a big shout out to my patrons. I am a listener supported show. You can go to patreon.com slash the Loretta Brown show and, um, I've said this for several weeks now, but be looking for new offerings there for those that want to become part of that circle. And I want to check in with astrology because we're kind of in a pivotal point right here. I want to ask, how was your first week of July? Was it smooth sailing? Was it kind of, I don't know. So last week I mentioned that we started this month with a T-square between three planets, Mars, Saturn, and Uranus. This T-square inspires action, however, this action can be created through feeling like you are being squeezed through a tube or slammed up against a wall of frustration. Uh Uh-oh. T-squares can trigger us to reach a breaking point or an end point, and they will finally force us to step up and change our ways. T-squares can trigger us, but they can lead us to huge breakthroughs if you incorporate some of the thought processes from my guest today. I'm just kind of like throwing that in there like it's really appropriate. This energy is leading us into the new moon in Cancer, which will be occurring July 9th, which is tomorrow at 9.16 p.m. Eastern time and 6.15 p.m. here in the Seattle area. The new moon starts a new lunar cycle and it's gonna bring a welcome uh, break from the eclipse energy and represents the first Few steps on this new path that we have been catapulted into, and I, I mentioned last week that at the end of May we had this great big huge solar eclipse. It actually ended something called the fifth sun, and we entered into the sixth sun. And uh, oh, oh, Loretta, ha. Huh? maybe I'll do a show on that and and talk to you more about that. But it's big stuff we're entering into fully into the age of Aquarius if we hadn't done it before. We have a balancing of energies coming in which is a time of change and you know sometimes we resist change. So the new moon asks us to think about how can you connect with the fearless warrior within you and find your own guidance by asking yourself questions such as How can I lead my life with love rather than fear? And the eclipses laid out a new and higher path for us to walk. The July new moon in Cancer is asking us to set intentions around what we wish to embody as we begin this new chapter. What energies do you want to call in? How do you wish to navigate this new chapter that is now before you? Yeah, you are creating this. Mm. And cancer is ruled by the compassionate, nurturing, and fearlessly loyal crab. The hard outer shell represents the crab's ability to protect not only itself, but those that it loves. And the soft interior represents the sensitive, loving heart that the crab is often motivated by. How can you find a balance between the softness of your heart and the hard boundaries that are needed to feel safe and protected? The crab also carries its home on its back, which represents its desire to always feel safe and secure and to take care of the home. Under these new moon energies, we too can think about ways to feel more secure and at home with wherever we have landed. Feeling at home is really about acceptance. It is about embracing that this is where we need to be, even though we may feel challenged, fearful, or at odds with what lies before us? And how can you shift to a state of love and peace in both your inner and outer worlds? Practicing radical and unwavering self-care by being gentle but firm with yourself, standing up for yourself, setting boundaries, and moving from a place of compassion are all tools that are going to serve us well under this July Cancer new moon. And another active energy on the new moon is Chiron, the wounded healer, who can help us bridge a state of between one consciousness and the next. Chiron is retrograde in Aries until December 19th, and it is helping us heal our biggest wound, the wound of our identity. Chiron can help ease the pain around old wounds. We might find ourselves viewing these wounds in a new light and seeing the strength and wisdom they have granted us rather than the hurt and the sadness. We may even find ourselves embracing our own inner wounded healer and allowing our wounds to become powerful tools of healing for ourselves and others. If you're seeking healing energy in your life for whatever reason, welcome the energies of the new moon set an intention for these healing energies to flow through the crown of your the head of uh, through the crown of your head and out the end of your feet into the earth and embrace the softening that occurs however you feel the energies of this new moon whatever's going on in your life whether it's breakthroughs or healing remember self-love self-nourishment and feeling at home within yourself and this new path have arrived I can't think of a better segue to bringing my guest on. It's just like she probably could have written that herself. And um, my guest today is the amazing Allison Carmen. Using the events of a very painful year, which I think was three years ago, in her own personal and professional life, business consultant and life coach, Allison Carmen explores the forces in women's personal and professional lives that hold them back in her new book, A Year Without Men. In this book, she offers 12 simple practical tools to help women look within, (laughs) find their own values, morals, and passions, work on their skills, call on other women, and forge new ways to do business. And together, women can create a new way to earn money, a new way to look at beauty, a new way to be in the world, And in my opinion, they're ushering in what I call the collective collaboration of the age of Aquarius
1: we've stepped into. Thank you for coming to the show, Allison. It's great to have you. Thank you Woo-hoo. so much for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. And here's for the people on YouTube. Here's her beautiful book. A
0: year without man. Oh my goodness. Where do we <laughs> begin? <laughs> Can you please give us just a little bit of the backstory of of where this came from? uh, How'd you write this book?
1: And a little bit about the title. Uh, Well, of course, because I always teach people about the unexpected, this journey of mine was completely unexpected. And it was so interesting. If you would have met me on June 29th, 2018, I would have told you that yeah, I'd been through a lot in my life and I've had many awakenings through pain and suffering, but my life was in a really nice place. I, my work life was good. I was feeling well, uh, two beautiful daughters and what I thought was a really committed, loving marriage. And on June 30th, 2018, uh, my husband came home from the gym. And what I felt like was out of nowhere told me that he wanted to leave me. He wanted to date other women. He still wanted to have family holidays and family vacations, but this was not working for him. And then he started talking about women that he was attracted to. And, and I just remember I, I fell to the floor. And I remember that moment where that structure, that the thing I based so much of my life on that I trusted, that was everything to me, just blew up. And then it it didn't stop. In in a matter of two weeks, my biggest client for 25 years, he was uh, my male client. He stopped speaking to me. He was selling his client. He was selling his business, excuse me. And all these things were just kept falling away and falling away. And then within that two-week period, one of my other clients, the Motherhood Center, invited me to come work there. She had just um, separated from her male partner. And I found myself being the part-time CFO of an all-woman day hospital. Only women work there. We only serve women. And within a two-week period, the men were gone. There were no more men. All the big structures were gone. And and after a couple of months, I'm like, there are no men in my life. And it was a very painful experience. Um, very, uh, almost like scorched earth. You know what I mean? Like Like everything, like just so raw. But at the same time... I started to see all the places in my life that I was hiding, that I was compromising, especially in business. You know, when I was in a different atmosphere, I was only with women. So I started to see the places where I used to compromise, where I used to sell myself short, where I couldn't get ahead. And it just made me see that there was this structure out there that, you know, I think after a while, women start to feel it's them. Like if I was better, I would be more successful. If I was better, I would have been able to raise money. If I was better, I would have got that promotion. But there is a patriarchal structure that kind of holds us back in a way that asks us maybe not to be our authentic selves. Yes, there are some women that have been very successful, but a lot of us need to change who we really are to make our way in the world. And that's what happened. I just had this awakening of all these things that we do as women and and how we could value ourselves and approach things differently and find new ways to be successful. And so the title a year without men that that was the experience and uh, my hope is that through my experience through this year and through the you know 30 years of business that it will help women maybe see themselves differently and approach the world differently and you know in a way it shouldn't be our responsibility like corporate america and businesses they should have a better social contract with all their employees but i've been around long enough to say i'm still hopeful that structures will change but as individuals, I believe that if we start to show up differently, maybe we can make the changes and start moving things forward in, in a different way.
0: You know, um, I think what you say has so much in it and it's so to the point. Um, you know, I myself back in the day when I when I worked in the corporate world before I opened my healing business, uh, ran into a lot of the things that you're talking about. And I, t- I talked to, Uh, women all the time about it. You know, I, I not only do Reiki, I'm a mental health counselor and a hypnotherapist, et cetera, et cetera, right in a channel, but this idea that, you know, when I, when I show up at work, I'll say when I, right, show up at work, that I somehow have to be something other than what I am, or kind of some of the things I ran into, which you bring out in your book are, uh, okay, I'm pregnant or I have children, and somehow that gets in the way of my, my progress at work, or I'm not as taken as seriously. Can you just talk about that a little bit?
1: Well, yeah. you know, equity, right? To have equity in the workplace is to recognize the, who everybody is, right? You know, women have children, women get pregnant, but, you know, corporate America is like, sure, if, if, you know, if you want, I mean, there are some good companies out there, but it basically says, sure, if you want to keep acting in a way that you don't have children, right, if you if you could show up and pretend that you don't have stress or you don't have a sick parent or you don't have children we will let you stay. And, and that it's just an old paradigm. It's a structure that doesn't work. And, and also if you have to show up as anybody other than yourself, you're not going to be your most creative self. Like the minute you're trying to act differently, that flow is not there. Those new ideas are not there. You're not going to speak up because you don't feel strong enough or valued enough to really be who you are. So the idea is the more we allow people to be their authentic selves, the more creative they're gonna be, the happier they're gonna be, the longer they're gonna stay and the more profitable the company is gonna be. And that was so interesting about the Motherhood Center. The Motherhood Center, look, it's a day hospital for women who have postpartum. So we're dealing with very seriously ill patients. So it's not an easy place to work, but at the same time, management looks at you and says, you have a child, Uh, to let's say to a clinician, what are the best hours you could work? Let's make this work. So it's kind of like a two-way street. And that to me is where this needs to go. But as women, we need to value ourselves and we need to see, wait a second. We're not broken. We become broken because we keep trying to fit into a place that doesn't welcome us when the, when we look at ourselves and say, no, we're not broken, the system's broken. So if we could show up more authentically, it will start to change. But this is not easy but it's doable. And I really feel that through that year, I was able to really not only have the realizations, but put it in play in my own life. And I have a lot of hope for what, what can happen right now.
0: Well, I am, I'm being with the power of, of what you're talking about and also about, you know, cause a lot of the work I do is, is of a spiritual nature or of taking a look at what is it that has come into our life that has completely redirected us. And, you talk about um, the power of maybe, and I would really like you to just, yeah, just talk yeah. about that for a little bit, because this this addiction to it has to be a certain way, or I think the way you say it is the addiction to certainty, or, you know, because I, it's funny, I was just talking to somebody yesterday, and and we were talking about what what happens when what you have decided needs to happen doesn't happen. Yeah. Where and do look, we
1: go? from I mean, there? Yeah, I look, mm-hmm. most of us are addicted to certainty in some way. And, and the reason why we're addicted is because we want to know we're okay. We want to know our kids are okay. We want to know our family's okay. We want to know we have our job. We want to know we have enough money to pay our mortgage. And so it's very understandable where this relationship with uncertainty is is difficult. And what's so fascinating to me is, I don't find that women have a fear of uncertainty more than men I, I find that men and women equally fear it but because the path for women is more uncertain when we fear uncertainty it affects us more so for me i was the classic case i was addicted to certainty and when you're addicted to certainty it, it it's a very painful way to live because the minute something happens in your life you didn't expect or you didn't want or it, it's not what you desired You believe it's over, doom and gloom. Things will never get better. I can't do this. And then you fall out. You fall out of the dream. You fall out of the intention. You fall out of everything you want for your life because you're so scared you can't see it in the moment. That means it won't happen for the future. And I struggled with this most of my life. And what I did is I wrote a story that made me feel better. When I get this job, I became a lawyer. I was like, I'm going to become a lawyer. I'm going to get a job at a really large law firm, marry a really great guy, get a really great job, and I'm going to be set right? That's where you get in trouble, right? Because you believe that when this happens, I'll be happy. And sure enough, I did all those things. (laughs) And then the second day of work, I find out that they're firing half the first years. And I was a first year employee at the time. They didn't end up firing me, but it didn't matter. It was like the minute that bubble burst, the thing I was counting on to save me burst, I knew life was uncertain. And then it became like everything I needed to figure out, how will I make peace with uncertainty? And one day I heard this beautiful Taoist story, which I'm sure many of your listeners have heard. It's about this farmer who has a horse, and he runs away. And the neighbor comes by and says to the farmer, you have the worst luck. And the farmer says maybe. But the next day, the farmer's, um, the next day, the horse comes back with five mares. And the neighbor comes by and says to so the farmer, you have the best luck. And the farmer says maybe. But the next day, the farmer's son is on. The horse falls off and breaks his leg. And the neighbor comes by and says to the farmer, you have the worst luck. And the farmer says, maybe. But the next day, the army comes to take the son to war, but they can't take him because his leg is broken. And the neighbor comes by and says, so the farmer, you have the best luck. And the farmer says, maybe. And in the Taoist tradition, it means things are neither good or bad. But for me, when I heard that story, I actually felt a pop in my chest. Because for me, when the horse ran away, he wasn't coming back. There were no mares. there, There was no future. I couldn't see it. And this idea of maybe changed me. It allowed me to see that uncertainty is my best friend because if I want my life to change, it has to happen in the unknown. And it actually helped me cultivate a faith because the minute you're able to see, well, I don't know what's gonna happen, and this might not look so good in the moment, but maybe it can change and maybe it can get better. Little word, life-changing because it offers you possibility other than that one fear. And for women, when they are able to live in this idea of maybe and look at the unknown as their friend, if you want corporate America to change, has to happen in the unknown you want a new job you want to start a business you want to raise equity so if as women we can shift our relationship with uncertainty it will change everything because we will take the risk necessary to do what we need to do to to change things and to change our own lives and reach our full potential and there's a great exercise i know this idea sounds so simple but it is a very magical, profound word. word. And there's an exercise in the first chapter where I just ask you to, what's your biggest fear? I'm never going to get promoted. I'm not going to be able to be pregnant and hold down my job. I'm never going to be able to raise money for my business. And then you question the fear. You say, are you absolutely certain that fear is true? And the beauty of life is you can't be certain of anything. So you can't be certain your fear is true. What else is there? And then those maybe statements, you do them for 20 minutes. Again, sounds simple. Maybe everything's okay. Maybe you'll get better. Maybe I need to call this person. If you do this for 20 minutes, you might still have that fear, but you'll be surrounded with so much more that's possible. And this this idea has changed my life. And I believe it's an idea that if we all can incorporate, whether it's maybe or another way, when you kill your relationship with uncertainty, women will go out there and make a lot of changes that they never thought was possible.
0: Well, I love what you're saying. Um, you know, because we do get stuck in what I call the rigidity of our thought. Like, oh, yeah. that was it and it didn't work. And so therefore, that's the end yeah. of life, right? And this yeah. idea of maybe, I really love this. It's like, well, maybe maybe it'll get worse, but maybe it'll get better, which right. begins to open you up to what I call as possibility and also might give you the... I don't know, motivation or courage or whatever is required to take your next breath and keep going, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. we already live in the maybe not, right? So it's just offering like the other side of of maybe. And remember like as women in the workplace and life, like if we buy into what people are selling us, we're just gonna be like, it can't happen. I I was just literally in a business meeting before I got on this call and um, this company hit a wall. And everybody was in this really reactive mode. And and, and it, I always remember, wait a second, We're, you know, there, there's more to this. There's more to this. We have to be willing to go into uncharted territory and mm-hmm. maybe has given me the courage And, and what's so to, to go on. And what's so interesting is that my first book was called The Gift of Maybe. And when my husband told me he was leaving me, I was so devastated. I hadn't slept and I keep the book by my bed. And I went into the bathroom and I was hyperventilating and I was crying and I was literally lying on my bathroom floor reading the book that I had written, which is ironic in itself. And on on page six, I wrote down my biggest fears. And one of my biggest fears was, would my husband always love me? I did not even remember writing that, but there it was. And it was one of those moments where I couldn't embrace maybe at that moment because I was so devastated, but in my head I said, okay, if this is in the gift of maybe, if this biggest fear is here, I remember saying to myself, maybe I can survive this. Maybe there will be something that changes in my life. And I held on to that little thought for weeks and days. And eventually, you know, it entered my heart where I believe all transformation happens. But it's funny that I had almost written to myself a little clue to find my way back. And again, maybe always saves me. And I just hope that that women could use it as a tool to to kind of go out to uncharted territory and really make huge changes.
0: Yeah. And by the way, I want to uh, just put another plug in for your book, A Year Without Men, because what you t- talked about is in the first chapter here of that exercise of maybe, and you also have all kinds of other wonderful exercises in here that are very doable, right? They're very doable. And I think these exercises probably came out of your own life or your own experience. Yeah.
1: They, they they actually did. Um, yeah. Everything in there was from a realization. You know, a lot of stuff was cooking in my mind and a lot of practices were happening before this happened. But it's so funny how when something so devastating happens, then you really get to practice what you preach. And so, yeah, yeah and all these exercises got me through. They were huge shifts for me to empower myself, to shift, to value myself more. Um, and I believe they really work. I experienced it. And I believe that other women will have a very good experience doing the exercises. And, and my hope and prayer is that they'll be able to value themselves enough to go out into the world. And again, it's not fair in a way because corporate America should be different, but it's not. So at one point in life, we have to say, okay, this is what I'm facing. What do I need to do to show up differently to make it different for me and and the people around me?
0: Well, and, and I always look at things as like, we can be the catalyst of change. I, I'm absolutely thrilled and excited um, to talk about more about the changes that are occurring and need to occur. We're going to take a little station break, but um, I don't want people to go away because when we come back, we're going to get into it a little bit deeper. I, I'm, I'm kind of thrilled and excited about what are the changes that you know you spent a year without men, you know, in your in your primary workforce. You worked with women. And I really want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about what I call the mean girls at work and what happens when we have given bits of ourselves away into the old system. We could call it the old patriarchal system, but I even think the word patriarchal is old. Right? Because, like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought, forget it. It's too old. Let's talk about something else. But I also know that the this way of being has also affected a lot of men. And we are talking about women, but it also affects men. And uh, this is uh, going into, I think, the balance between our personal and business lives. So we're going to take a station break. This is Loretta Brown. My guest today, Allison Carmen, A Year Without Men. I don't know, maybe we should try it. A 12-point guide to inspire and empower women. (laughs) And uh, we'll be right back. Did you know that Reiki healing can be done at a distance? It's true. So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment, find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's
1: energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Place with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Kids are full of energy, but keeping them active in their teen years can be a challenge. Aim for an hour of physical activity every day. If they like sports, that's a great place to start. Keep the focus on fun, not winning, and encourage your child to do a variety of activities. If your child isn't meeting that 60-minute goal, gradually increase their activity in ways they enjoy. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org.
0: Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show with my guest, Allison Carmen. And just go get the book now. It just came out. Go get it now. It's lovely. It's wonderful. Look at it's. It's got like this is one of those things too. I got. To, I got to be honest with you. I just open it up and start reading. What does it want me to know? Right. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you never know. Messages come from everywhere. We we're having a great talk during the break about um, women on the job and and what happens when we try to show up or don't show up, and. You brought out such a great uh, study about women that were good looking. Could you repeat that live on the radio area? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, sure. There were mm-hmm. there were a bunch of conf- conflicting studies that said that one one study said that women who are better looking get ahead more early in their career, but then they're not respected when they if they could possibly reach the C-suite. And other studies suggested that women who weren't as good looking were more successful or early in their career. My point was, is that the reason why there are all these conflicting studies is because none of it's real, none of, it, none of it's exactly true. What, what I believe is there's a system that doesn't totally welcome women and totally being powerful. And so my, my point is that even when you do conform, it's not quite right. Because and my point is that the only way that we're gonna get through this is if we show up as our authentic selves because we will value ourselves. See, the thing is is that eventually we start to believe the outside world. Like I said before, if I was smarter, um, I would have been more successful, if I was better looking, I would have been more successful. None of it's really true. And the minute you, you know, have this realization that I'm valuable regardless nothing starts to change that. If I'm not doing well at work, I still have value. If my husband leaves me, I still have value. And when you kind of get to that point, you don't leave the playing field. That's what happens. We get so discouraged about our outer accomplishments, whether we have them or not. We just were like, this is not working. And we just check out. And the point of my book is that if we stay with it and we cultivate this understanding of who we are within ourselves and not judge ourselves on the outer, we create this very strong, um, resilient, being that's able to kind of weather through and shift things and i believe this is a wonderful time to make that happen so i think that if we base everything on the signals we're getting on the outside world we're, we're going to check out before we reach our full potential
0: yeah yeah you talk about the compare and despair right and and this idea of acceptance like why is it so important to women that we are accepted and i, I want to add a little something in there because i was thinking about it while you were talking because I've been guilty of this, where work, 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 and then get passed over for promotion, right? And and being told some f- flimsy thing to where constantly coming back to the self going, there must be something wrong with me. I must not be doing it right. I must, I, I need to work more hours. My kids are just gonna have to deal with it, you know, or whatever. Um, Yeah, why is it so important this idea of acceptance and yeah, respond to well, that. Well, that,
1: that's yeah. such, An important part is that, you know, if you look back to 1991 men and women were graduating college at the same rate and then you look 30 years ahead, then why are there only 5% of the S&P 500 um, CEOs only 5% are women why only 5% of the women are on the board so what we're doing is we're beating ourselves up right that it's us and we're not questioning the system what we're not realizing that we're capable brilliant fabulous. Human beings. In fact, the Motherhood Center made me see like women are great business people. Yeah. We're told we're not, we're made to feel like we're not, we're, you know, we're made to, oh, I'm afraid of numbers. What's so funny about numbers is that. You know, if you do a profit loss statement, it's just addition and subtraction, nothing more, you know, <laughs> but we're, but so we're, we're like, we like, you start to believe all these things. Right. And so looking at the motherhood center was so fascinating is that you had these women who didn't really have business experience. And I watched them develop innovative, creative, amazing systems that work better than the one that was using when that, when the male, you know, director was there. So it's just fascinating to me that when we're given the chance. Right, when we're given the chance to to value ourselves and be who we are and not believe what the outside world is telling us, everything changes. And that's why the principles in the book are so important because the, the business world might not exactly be fair. We need to kind of get there quickly. And that's why that idea of acceptance was so important that look, difficult things happen in life sometimes. And, but sometimes what happens, we get stuck in. why is this happening? This shouldn't be happening. I can't believe this is happening. And when we stay there too long, we're not figuring out how to resolve. And because we're looking to change a paradigm, we need to accept things as soon as we can. We're in the room. The problem is happening. It's not that you like it. It's not that you don't want to change it, but that idea, I accept this. I don't like it, but this is what life is throwing me in this moment. And I need to get on board because I need to solve it. We're going to be better business people. Um, And we're going to be the first one in the room to start looking at solutions. So acceptance again I find men and women have the same issues with acceptance but if you're in a business environment that's not totally welcoming you or may not be exactly fair the more you deal with your your relationship with uncertainty and the quicker you accept what's in front of you the more innovative and creative and authentic you're going to be able to be it's they're just tools to help you be who you truly are
0: yeah yeah Um, I'm being with this word authentic and I'm also thinking about Emotions, right? Being too emotional, being too loud, being Uh too mousy, you know, like, (laughs) like women, women are always told, well, uh, can you talk about emotions? And and I know that you uh, got a lot of support when you went to your your new job after the the breakup with your ex, right? But you can, can you talk about emotions, the emotionality, the sensitivity of women? And how that might look in an, in a new structure, right? Yeah.
1: Well, we're always told, like, it's funny. I was on a board years ago and I um, helped uh, raise, you know, millions of dollars. I helped negotiate a $30 million contract, never yelled, never screamed, never cried. And I watched men hit each, try to hit each other. I watched them yell, scream. Yet at the end, they would say, we can't discuss that with Allison. She's too emotional. So it was really interesting. Like I was strong. I was opinionated. Did I sometimes talk too much? Maybe, but I watched all <laughs> these other men, right? Have all these other emotions yet. I was judged for, because women are, are judged that way. In a way it's kind of unfair. It came to me the one day I was at the motherhood center. There were all women at the meeting. And one of the directors started to cry. And in any other environment I was in, Corporate America makes it like tear sink ships and she's crying and nobody in the room is budging. And as she's crying, she's talking and she's saying really brilliant things and nobody cared. And it was such an interesting moment. She was crying, but she wasn't putting her behavior on anyone else. And that's the key. What happens is that I have no issue with emotions in the workplace. You could tell me you're stressed. You could tell me you're worried. You can cry. Just don't put the behavior on me. And in my experience, I find men, and there are a lot of beautiful men out there. There are a lot of great male business people. But overall, my experience, I found men more emotional because I include anger, resentment. Like I said, I've never broken up a physical fight with women at work, but I have had to, you know, break up two men from, you know, trying to hit each other. So it's really interesting. Like, maybe they're just as emotional or I think even more emotional. It's so funny that women, because... Maybe we come to situations differently, right? Corporate America was made for men by men. So how they act is what we're how we're supposed to act. But in truth, you know, women, if they're more sensitive or they cry, whatever, I think women are, are emotionally resilient. And I think they have a lot of stability and maybe a different approach, but what's so bad about that? You know, like, why are we judged by that? And I think we're judged because again, the welcome mat's not always there. So how can we find a way to be ourselves, right? express our emotions. And at the same time, you know, not put bad behavior in other people be more responsive, less reactive. And again, this is not anti-man because I believe we all need to work together. Like I'm looking for a more collaborative place where men and women are able both to express how they feel, work better together uh, and kind of reach a place where there's again, more equity and equality. But the emotion thing is kind of funny when you really look at it um, it's just another way to disempower women from their true power. And so, you know, I don't, nothing wrong with some tears. That's how I uh, see it.
0: I love what you said so much because I, I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, I am a, a person who cries. I have the gift of crying, right? And <laughs> I can remember back in the day where I would be like really, you know, involved in the conversation and I could feel the tears coming. And realizing I had to choke them down because if I started crying, it would dissolve the meeting. And I didn't want to dissolve the meeting. I wanted to talk through it. And um I think that's such a powerful thing that you shared. And I, I'm also with you. I'm not I'm not saying everybody should start crying. <laughs> there's no crying in baseball right you know (laughs) but i i do think it's really important for us to deal with our emotions and to realize that emotionality sensitivity can be part of our creativity and and our innovation sure and 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 when we flow it when we allow it to flow then we access that deeper uh river that wants to come out and create this in a really different way um I don't see any reason why compassion and kindness couldn't be a part of the workplace, as well as as diligent hard work and and focused on goals and all of that kind of stuff, right? Absolutely.
1: You want your employees to stay. You want them, you want to get the most out of them. You want them to be most productive. Care about their well being, care about work life balance. Let people say how they're feeling, as long as, again, they don't put their behaviors on anybody else, right? Kindness, compassion. You know, I'm watching the Motherhood Center within a three-year period. We grew, we became highly profitable. I've watched many other other companies do that. There's so much potential out there. And Even like the pandemic, so interesting, like you'll be on Zoom with somebody you did not have a personal relationship with and all of a sudden their kids come flying in (laughs) or their fire alarm goes off. (laughs) You're seeing like this other side of them. And Uh I really believe that the humanity that was created between me and all the other people I work with made for a better work environment. Now, yes, you know, you know, there's a level of how personal you want to get, but you, it brought humanity in. We all were struggling with this universal thing that was happening. We all were having childcare issues. We all even got, and everybody was having a universally similar experience and it kind of brought us all closer and, and more wanting to work together to make this work, to save a company. So I believe that we, we've gotten it wrong. It's like, you know, you said like the patriarchy that even name is archaic. There's an archaic paradigm out there that needs to change. But again, as women, I think that it's going to fall on us. I, I feel bad saying it, but I think as we shift and we realize the outside world doesn't dictate dictate my value, I dictate it. I want to see differently. I want to be me. We're going to have a different, much more powerful experience no matter where we go.
0: Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. This this year of Zoom is what I call it, right? Has is going to continue. It's changed the Face of our workplace, but it's also put us into our homes. Instead of I go to work, and now at work I give hours, 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 and then I go home and I die. You know, whatever. Um, We're we're having to re adjust and figure out. Okay, what do I do? I have to do a meeting. The kids are doing school on Zoom. You know, the dog and the cat are there. You know, what do we do? So I think we've blurred the edges of that a little bit, and I think it could be good moving forward because the reality is that we have to balance all of this. And, you, you know, you're a busy woman, you know, I'm a busy woman. It's like, and and how do we, how do we lay that down at the door? How do we br- find that balance? I think is part of what you're talking about.
1: A- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, but again, the balance sometimes starts also with like the inner dialogue, right? Yeah. Like for me, sometimes I'm not balanced because I'm moving quicker than I can. I'm not balanced because I'm taking the past with me, you know, and I, I tell this great story about, um, I think Mark Nepo in his book, The Great Awakening, which is a really fabulous book, yeah. um, tells a story about this man who's, who wants to paint a room in his house with red paint and he takes the paint and the brushes and um, the cloths and he's carrying it all. And at the same time, he's trying to open his door to his house. And because he has so much in his hands, he falls back and the red paint goes all over him. And the point of the story is sometimes we need to put down what we're carrying in order to enter the moment new. And so for me, like I use every door in my house as let's just like remember, like even if I'm going from the bedroom to the living room, you know, what can I put down in this moment to enter this moment new? And that is a really good practice for emptying the past. because what ha- We don't realize like when we bring mm-hmm. the past forward, it, it's not just even about suffering. We bring our moods forward. You know, if, if yeah. I'm late for work, if I spill coffee, if I do this, I do that. If I don't have a clearing moment, I could snap at my coworker. I could start to believe, oh, I'm having a really bad day. And then I could be negative. And then that negative thought could lead to me not being more expansive. We don't realize that everything just kind of carries forward. So part of our balance is continuously surrendering and letting go and, and coming to the moment new. And sometimes you put something down, you're going to need to pick it back up later. Right? right? Like not every worry is gone in a moment, but right. we can enter a moment and put something down, pick it up later. So it's really a practice of, of, of coming to the moment with more balance. And, and that also is about letting go, but also remembering the sacredness of the moment. You know, it's funny, when my husband first left me, there were moments where the, the pain was so great. When there was a joy, I felt it so deeply. Like it was almost like you, you felt the gift of it. And then when life starts to get better, you're like, oh, you know, uh, the stress comes back and the worry comes back and then the moments are going. And so that's another thing too, like, like just that sacredness of the moments when they're with us, the beauty of it, even the beauty of a painful moment. It's this rhythm that we have to somehow figure out for ourselves. And when we do, I, I know, you know, all this, that life really starts to change. So it's about Putting things down, but also remembering the sacredness of of what is, and that's a practice. I never thought when you're yeah. in that horrible place, you're like, I'm never gonna forget this. I'm gonna enjoy every moment. Life's always gonna be great. And the minute that pain goes away, you go back to all your mishigas again. So, so that so that like that thought too, like how do we remember? You know, is is so amazing. And and any practice, gratitude maybe. Uh, even something on your, a bracelet, whatever you do to let go and remember is really makes a huge difference in the quality of our lives.
0: You know um, what you're saying is very powerful. It's very beautiful. Very, and it's, it's wisdom is what I call it. You know, anytime that we're faced with the unfaceable, you know, like life came and whacked you down, right. You know, boink there, you were laying on the ground. Um, You're, you, you break, right. There's a brokenness. And this year in my in my women's group, we've been working with the Konsuji bowl, right? And we've been working with what does it mean to be broken? Is it okay to break? And what happens when you put yourself back together? Because you're not the same and you will never be the same. And I think that's a powerful I think it's powerful because your book is coming out of your own personal experience and it's a personal book. It's you share things in here, right? But it also, I think it appeals to every single one of us. And it's like, whether you're spending a year without men or, or whatnot, I really got from the book that you, you had to take a look at where have you not been authentic, right? Where have you compromised yourself or spent too much time relating to men or a man, right? Because we all lose ourselves in that at some, at some level. And also you're, um, I just think it's so powerful. Your your maybe thing, like, well, maybe this and maybe that, I think helps lift us out of victimhood, right?
1: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, the easiest story for me to tell in my life is that my husband left me. I can never trust anybody again, and my life will never be what I want it to be. And it's funny, as I sit here, I still have pain in my heart, yeah. but I know that story, that expectation, that inability to kind of be open to life in a different way is what stands between me and the rest of my life. Right. So, you know, after a while I did start to see myself, like, am I going to get lost in this victimhood of, Mm. of the story? And so for me, what I do every day is I try to say, you know, if I have one painful experience, 20, 30, 40, whatever it is, the most important thing is for me to be who I truly am and live with an open heart. And so how do we get there? Yeah. And and how do we hold that? And what, what happens in life, I think, in the business world, and our personal lives, we let the pain dictate who we become. We let the pain dictate what we're what's possible, what our potential is. So for me, I refuse to let the pain, I I will feel the pain, I will process the pain, I will let the pain transform me, but only towards who I truly am. And it has, it's not easy, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it because I have a life to look forward to because I believe that things are still possible. So there's hope. And and that, for me, the book is a hope. It's a hope for every woman, right? Um, that they could still live the life they desire, even through all the experiences that we have and and open that heart. So, yeah. Well,
0: yeah. And you were also um, graced with beautiful people to support you in your oh. journey, which I always advise people to reach out. You know, there's a lot of help out there. And, um, but yeah, this idea that, well, we don't have to become our broken story.
1: Absolutely. And at yeah. one point I thought that's what stood between me and the rest of my life was this broken idea. And it, it comes up. It's not like three years later, it's not that the, that story lives with me and I have to look at it and say, that's a story at this point. Like, I'm not gonna have, you know, moments with grandkids and family vacations and blah, blah. That's a story. But what's still possible for me in this moment, you know, and also, you know, sometimes life doesn't go the way we want, but what's still left, <laughs> right? Yeah. What's still left? What, what can we make of it, right? What, what could we still grab from it? And, and yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, it's, I talk about it towards the end, like, what am I going to do with those expectations and that broken story? And, and how will I transform my life in, you know, I don't know if the best is always happening, but I know we have to make the best of it. Right. And I know everybody no. always is kind of playing with that idea, but to me, it's like, I need to make the best of what I have to really fulfill whatever destiny that, that, that could, could come, you know, so that's one of the biggest lessons. And I no. so understand how hard it is. I know it, believe me. I, yes. I sit here, I've, I've experienced it. I, I really thought I was going to die, but here I am. And I didn't, and not only I didn't, I, I accomplished a lot. I achieved a lot, even with that pain, there's so much more. Like, I think it was Thich Nhat Hanh that says, something about, I, I can't quote him precisely, but how, you know, yeah, there's pain, but, you know, there's also a blossoming, there's also beauty, there's also so many other things happening, so how are we going to manage it? It's almost like uh butt end, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, here it is, and um, so, yes, expectations, well, we must be careful.
0: Yeah, plus that was what I call, a, I mean, that was a complete redirection of life, which yeah. it, who knows what will come out of that as time goes by, yeah. but um, probably yeah. both, both wonderful things and pain, right? You know, I mean, it's, it's inevitable that that's part of the part of your journey. Um, Well, there's so, uh, there's so much more I could ask, we're we're down to like the last couple of minutes here, which is like, no. (laughs) Um, What do you see as far as the future of women? And, and I'm going to say this, you know, because it occurred to me, one of the reasons I ended up in my own business years ago was because I, I saw I couldn't get where I wanted to go in that realm nor could I be myself so I started my own business which is at that time was pretty challenging what what advice or what help can you give women who are listening to this show who might be saying wow maybe I need to make a change so I can be more authentically myself
1: yeah well the first thing is that we need to be prepared for that change because sometimes what we say is like oh I'll just quit my job and start a business that's going to be challenging going to be wonderful, going to be challenging. So you need to do the inner work. You need to be, you know, work on that relationship. Again, uncertainty will dictate the job you take, the business you start, you know, who you're going to be with, what relationship you're going to have. So you got to, you know, look at acceptance, look at your reactions, look at your emotions, look at your expectations, do the inner work. So you have what it takes to make that change, figure out a way to not, you know, let the outer circumstance determine your value. When you do that work, you're gonna, ha- that's gonna shift you first because then you're gonna have the strength to go to work and be authentic. They might not like you authentic, right? right. You might have to get another job or you might have more conflict, but it's gonna be so worth it because you're gonna to get to find who you truly are and really, you know, reach your full potential. I would love if more women started businesses. I would, that, that would be my dream. And we create, I don't even wanna call it a matriarchy, a new paradigm where there's equity and equality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got fed, I believe so much more is possible, but we need to see ourselves more clearly and see the obstacles more clearly. And that comes at the end of the day, how we see ourselves in the world. It's funny. I've worked with so many people. It's not how much education you have. It's really how you see yourself in, internally and then how you bring that person outward to the world and that's what makes all the difference value 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 you could call it self-love whatever we wants uh, those are the things that are really going to make the difference
0: yes and i'm being with how we're actually you're talking about actually a completely different model of how we number one work how we do our lives and this is for men and women i just want to point that out again that this book is you know a year without men right but I think that, that men could also read it. And I think that, that it brings us into a state of thinking about it in a different way. We actually, in my opinion, have to change. We are changing. And for us to be able to step forward and embrace that is such a great thing. So you do little uh, podcasts. I think we've got like a minute left. So go please tell us a little bit about your podcast, where to find you and how to get um, uh, tapped into you.
1: Okay. Uh, my website is Uh, AllisonCarman.com and I write a lot of blogs and also I have this great podcast 10 minutes to less suffering and in like 10 minutes you know my hope is that you know these little exercises these thoughts will alleviate some of your stress if you're able to suffer a little less every day it it makes a huge change in your life on a whole and my book A Year Without Men is available at bookstores and online retailers and my first book The Gift of Maybe which focuses more just on uncertainty is also available for sale.
0: Yeah, I think people should get that book too. And your podcast, let let me just say this, you've got uh, like little 10 minute uh, things that are really great to listen to, kind of shift you. And uh, those are readily available also.
1: And And it's so simple. And again, what you said about men, the book again is not against men. And I think that it's female centered. I think anyone could benefit from reading it. But again, at the end of the day, we're looking for equality and equity and a better workplace for men and women. Right. You know, men have it tough too in the, in the workplace in a lot of ways. So we're looking for, to be more collaborative, compassionate, kind, and, and better for all.
0: Yeah. So thank you so much, Allison Carmen, A Year Without Men. Thanks for being on the show and everybody out there. Have a great week and celebrate the new moon. It's time to do it differently. Bye now.